0: You would please stand with me as we read God's word for us. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, you'll recognize as maybe the most well-known passage in this book. It is a very important passage and therefore I'm, I, I intend by God's help to preach three sermons, not today, but um, three sermons from this passage today to give you what the whole passage means. And then we're going to dive in deeper in the weeks to come. Galatians 5 verse 16. But I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, wrongities, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You may be seated. I'm not sure uh, why this is about me, but I've always been really fascinated by espionage or uh, spy movies. My wife, uh, not so much. She doesn't prefer those things, but I watch them from time to time. Fascinating to me, these these people who are living double lives. Where The guy who lives next door to you or your best friend at work, in the movies anyway, they they turn out to be this undercover spy. And even though they may at times feel friendly to you, they're studying you. Trying to find all of your secrets in order ultimately to destroy You. I want you to think about that really happening and how terrifying that is. And it is happening. Galatians 5 tells us so that there is this battle. That is not fought out in the open, but it's this deadly conflict just beneath the surface of every Christian. And it can destroy. This passage is about the battle of flesh and spirit. That's the title of the sermon, The Battle of Flesh and Spirit. And I hope you notice, even just in reading it, that this is a passage of conditions, of if this, then that. It is a passage full of two different kinds of people, based upon two different kinds of choices that they make, choices that you and I have to make. It's, it's summarized in, in these two different groups of people. And in verse 21, those who do these things. And then in verse 24, those who, this other group of people who have survived the battle. And here is the point of the passage. Follow the spirit or you will fall to the flesh. Follow the spirit or you will fall in this battle to the flesh. Three points. Point number one, walk by the spirit. Point number two, yield to the spirit. Point number three, Keep up with the Spirit. Point number one comes to us in verses 16 through 18. Walk by the Spirit. God says this miraculous, seemingly impossible thing happens to everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus. That God sends His Holy Spirit To actually live inside of us. This is what God says. That Christians and only Christians. But Christians do have almighty God. Living inside of us. And God also says that every person including Christians. That every person including Christians. Has someone else. Something else living inside of us. A powerful enemy called the flesh. Which is in this passage and also in Romans 8 and and, in all of Paul's writings is, is describing, the flesh is describing our human nature that we were born with. And he explains that our human nature, the flesh, Is an agent of the enemy. Is an agent of Satan himself. And this enemy of God is trying to destroy us. So we would learn a lot of things about who the Holy Spirit is whenever we go through the book of Galatians. And beloved, know this, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need the Holy Spirit to encourage us. And we need the Holy Spirit to fight for us. Or else, this enemy inside us, the flesh, look at verse 17, will keep us from doing things that please God will keep us from obeying every command, even the the last command we saw before this passage, which is to love one another. You have an enemy who will keep you from doing that, but for the Holy Spirit. And yet, I want you to listen to verse 16, which is a promise. It is a promise. If you're a Christian, you should read this as a promise to you. Verse 16 again. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you walk by the Spirit, then the flesh that is still inside you, that is still desiring certain things for you, that is more powerful than you, will continually and always be trying to sabotage you. But if you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the demands of the flesh. Instead, the opposite will happen. You will carry out the demands of a good God if you walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, beloved, you are guaranteed to not gratify The enemy whose ultimate goal is to destroy you forever. And you may say, now, hold on a second. I mean, for for chapters throughout this book, I have been hearing, we have been hearing that it is God who saves us. It is the Savior who has come and rescued us, that our works have nothing to do with our salvation. Why are you now telling me to do something? And that's a fine question. It's a natural question. But he is speaking to those who are already saved, not to save themselves. And he's telling us what is true of those who have been saved by Christ. Here's what's true. Listen to me. Christians carry with us a suspicion of ourselves. It may be the height of maturity in this world. To believe in yourself. That has no place in the life of a Christian. Because we believe that God is telling the truth when he says it is his spirit and his spirit alone. Who can keep us from falling. Who can keep us from falling to our own flesh. Flesh. And you know if you've been walking with the Lord for any time at all. There are times where we give in to the flesh. But we believe. We really believe. That if I follow my desires. That will only lead to my destruction. And to the pain of everyone who knows me. So walk by the spirit. Yet that sounds so mystical. How do we do that? Well, we're, we're told after this command to walk by the spirit, we're told different things about what that means. Look in verse 18. Look, look there. Walking by the spirit means to be led by the spirit. The spirit is a leader and he leads in a certain way. Listen to what Jesus said before he died on the cross. He said, after I leave, the spirit of truth will come. How does he lead? He is the spirit of truth and he will guide you. He's a leader who will guide you where? Into All the truth for he will take what is mine, what is about me. The spirit will take what is true about the son and he will declare it to those who believe in the son. That's how he leads. That's what it means to walk by the spirit is to listen to what the spirit says about Jesus. Or Romans eight that we just read, those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? It means to be led by the Spirit. And if that's true of you, you will set your mind. You'll be thinking. What goes on here is you're setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, which we've already been told is truth about Jesus. It's thinking about Jesus and then, and then being led by the Spirit. Those who listen to the Spirit are those who are led by the Spirit. How do you walk? You listen. And those who follow the Spirit will not fall to the flesh. But, but there's another description we have here. In our passage of what it means to carry out this primary command of walking by the Spirit. And you see it there in verse 25. Look there. To walk by the Spirit is to live by the Spirit. Listen to me. Walking this way is a way of life. That is to say, Christianity is not a once one hour a week thing. It's not with a with this group of people thing. It is an all of life thing such that we are to keep in step, keep going with, keep walking, keep on living Daily making the choice to walk by the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, and be led by the Spirit. That's what it means to live and walk by the Spirit. Beloved, this is so important for us because this battle does not end until heaven, it is always on. There is no peace, there is no treaty. Until we're in heaven, we are under, we are living under the provocation of the flesh. And so he says, walk by the spirit. And notice the the, the language, verse 16. And you will not. If you walk now, you will not in the future. He is speaking. Of a present tense commitment. Of a. And always commitment as the only thing that will guard you from a future threat. The desires that would destroy you are coming constantly. A barrage of missiles. And the only ones who survive them are those who are walking by the spirit. Follow the spirit or you will fall to the flesh. So I hope you're starting to see that this is not some mystical mumbo jumbo. It's not something that you kind of figure out and get all by yourself. It is a common way of life that all the saints live and our life will show it. Our life will show whether we're following the spirit or gratifying the flesh. And he makes it plain in the largest portion of the passage. Walk by the Spirit. But then secondly, he says, yield to the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. It's part of what it means to walk by the Spirit. There are these two forces we see in verses 19 through 24. Two influences, both of them more powerful than you and me. Fleshly desires. First of all, and, and, and notice those fleshly desires are opposed to. We've already been told that they are the opposite. They're opposed to what the spirit desires for us. It is possible to profess to follow Christ. And to live oppositely. Oppositely. Because the flesh works certain things. Fifteen things that the flesh will lead us to do in verses 19 through 21. And, and before we get into this list, church, I want you to just understand how important the, these two lists are. These two lists are so important. Verse 19, look there. It says that the works of the flesh are evident. They're evident. They're obvious. They aren't something that you... Well, I don't know. I don't know if if they're someone who belongs to the flesh versus someone who belongs to Jesus. No, it's evident. And notice in verse 21. Those who do such things, I warn you. I warn you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not be in heaven. There is nothing more important than this. And what we've been told kind of works against the the idea said too strongly when we say, well, only God knows. Only God knows those who are his. There, there is a, there's obviously a sense in which we must say that. Like ultimately, fully and finally, yes, he knows and only he knows. But he is also saying these lifestyles are evident to everyone. And those who do such things, I warn you, they're not going to heaven. In other words, I, I think part of, part of the reason we say that so much, well, who am I to, to, to say whether they, they know the Lord? I think part of the reason is just because we live in this culture where it's so confusing because there's so many who claim to be Christians who don't look anything like the fruit of the Spirit. But God is telling us, that those who have eternal life, it will be evident in their earthly life. It's just right there. It is plain to see those who are lost versus those who in verse 24 are saved. Those who, who belong to Christ. It is obvious how? Because they have crucified the flesh and its desires. So let's look first in verses 19 through 21. Four groupings. We'll go through this more slowly next week, Lord willing. But four groupings of those who are led by the flesh. Number one, in verse 19, you see these words that, that describe a people who are led by the flesh. They disobey God sexually. Those who are led by the flesh disobey God sexually. And if you want to know who who are those who are led by the flesh, there's a second group of people. They have displaced God spiritually. They don't put God first. They put other gods first. They don't look to God for power, or in this case, they're looking for sorcerers. Some power to do something and accomplish that in their life. The point is they're looking away from God. But then there's this third group of people that it is evident that that they are the ones who are led by the flesh. And notice in verses 20 and 21, this is the largest section. The clearest evidence that someone is led by the flesh and not by the spirit is they dishonor God socially. In their relationships with people. It is most clear who belongs to Christ and who does not by the way they relate to people who are sinners. And then fourth, it is evident those who are led by the flesh and not the spirit, they, in verse 21, their life culminates in these two sins that show that they are completely devoted to themselves. Drunkenness, They just decide to please themselves and live for themselves no matter how it affects the people around them. They're devoted to themselves and orgies, not just a disobedience of God sexually, but manifesting itself and just living to please self. When I was growing up, I remember I think it was on Saturday mornings. Every once in a while, there was I watched this show called "The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous." Some of you'll know this. You know, they just they just walked through these stories of Hollywood stars and titans of industries and the way that they live their their life. And there was always this uh, this statement of, uh, "If you would like to live like them, it will only cost you." like what you'll never make, you know, you'll never be able to afford it or whatever. The works of the flesh are the easiest thing in the in the world to do. Because these desires are always with us. It is so easy to serve ourselves. We do it so naturally. It is so easy to use people. As instruments for our pleasure. Our comfort. It is so easy for the sinner. It's so easy even for the, for the saint to ignore God. And to, to carry out moments in our life. Where we are clearly walking by the flesh. Because we don't have any thought of God. It's so easy. And yet, beloved, the works of the flesh are the most expensive, the most costly things and choices in all of life. Because it will cost you the kingdom of God. Verse 21 says, those who do such things, not just those things, but things like that. Who live a life, no matter what they say, that denies God. Those who do those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I ask. Some of you. Some of you know that these are describing you. There is a kingdom that is coming. That if you keep on this path, you will not be there. Because you will be in hell. And so I appeal to you to turn now. And yield to the spirit of God. And you will know. How your life changes because in verses 22 and following, we're told what it looks like to be a Christian. To be a Christian. It is evident. Christians are those who grow in these nine qualities. Because the spirit is the one who produces this fruit. Let me tell you a little something about the Holy Spirit. He creates out of nothing. So he can come into a heart that has none of these. And he doesn't do nothing there. The Spirit is very good at his job. The, the flesh is good at its job. It will produce those works. But the spirit will produce this fruit in the lives of his people. And as we'll see next week. As we saw with the works of the flesh. These fruits are primarily seen in relationship to other people. Not in isolation. So. The Spirit produces in those who have been saved love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And it says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is amazing. That God would take out of a world that is filled with 19 through 21 kind of lifestyle, and out of that world, he takes a people who, all of them, were, were, were doing those works. Who, who Ephesians chapter 2 describes... As walking in a very different way than the Spirit. But walking in the in the deadness of their sins and their trespasses. That they were following the course of this world. That the world was going in the direction of hell. And they were following the, the, the Spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. They were following Him and willingly disobeying. And, and willingly following the devil. And they would never go to the kingdom of God. And out of that... They are carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And they were like the rest of mankind. There's nothing unlike them among all the mankind. They were children of wrath. They were born by nature, deserving the wrath of God. And out of that group of people, God saves a people. We were told how it happened. In chapter 2, in verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, that means in this life of the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. That first fruit of the Spirit is what motivated Christ who loved me and gave himself for me on a cross, crucified. As a guilty sinner among sinners, hearing the mocking of his own people, bearing the wrath of God, the anger, the personal anger of God for all the people that he would save. Paul says something happened on that cross. I was crucified with him, he says. Here in chapter 5, verse 24, we have been crucified with Christ. Christ. Christ is living in us. And, and we live this life by faith in Him. That everything we do in this life, we live by trusting in Him. And what he's saying here in chapter 5 and verse 24, is that faith, our trust in Jesus, has so connected us to Christ, that what happened to Him, happened to us. That the flesh we carried about, That made us enemies with God, hostile to God, deserving of wrath. That when he died on the cross, it died with him. Because those who believe in him were with him. Spiritually. Because he died on the cross for us. When Christ's flesh was being nailed to the cross, the Bible says our flesh, our nature that was opposed to God and hated God and deserved hell was being nailed to the cross. Because he's doing that not for himself, but for us. That all that's in me that would rebel against God and doubt God and disobey God was killed. This is what it means to have faith in Christ. It's to live with this kind of perspective. That me is dead. Because my Savior died for me. That means got to go. The time that is past is sufficient for all the things that the world does. For me to live is to, to live for Christ. We have this perspective. That the works of the flesh, as tempting as they may be, they offer us no life. They are unworthy of us choosing them. It is amazing. In Galatians 5, verse 24, what it says about Christians. The thing that would destroy us, certainly. By faith has been crucified in us. And we belong to the one who died for us. The one who did all of this for us. We belong to him. Beloved, have this opinion of yourself. In Christ, there is no such thing as you apart from him. You are bound up with him. You belong to him. On the Christ, he purchased you. That's what he was winning. That's what he was buying with his blood. You belong to him. He owns you. He has rights over you now and always. And, and, and he doesn't just have promises for what happens after death. You belong to him. To live for him. I want to appeal again. To those who are here who recognize. Honestly, the fruit of the spirit does not characterize me. Honestly, maybe maybe the works of the flesh, they don't all characterize me, but some of them nail me. If you do not, if you keep on in those things, you will not go to the kingdom of God. But I want you to consider. Why you would want to stay in the world that is dominated by those things. Can you at least recognize how amazing God is, how amazing the work of Christ is? That he actually makes a people who these nine qualities of the Spirit are really true of. And wouldn't you want to be that kind of person? Jesus Christ died for sinners like you. He only saves those who are sick and needy. And you can belong to him and it is such a blessing to belong to him. So turn from your sins and trust in Christ. He will forgive you and he will change your life. Yield to him. He's the king. And he leads by his spirit. Follow the spirit. Or you will fall to the flesh. Point number three comes in verses 25-25. In 26, we're told to keep up with the Spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. When we started having children, Kelly uh, started digging through her memories of, of, of cute books that she grew up reading. One of them was... The pokey little puppy. It's about—I don't—I don't think I've ever read it, but it's about a little puppy who's pretty pokey. He does not—he's always lagging behind. I think that I understand better as her husband why it is that was so precious to her because every time we're at the grocery store, I'll be saying to her, "Look, sweetheart, I mean, if you're always the same distance behind me, then you're walking the same speed as me." Can you keep up then? Can we walk together through this door? So there are times when pastor doesn't have the fruit of the spirit of patience. You can pray for me. But I am saying regularly, not only to my wife, but to the children who are like her. Keep up now. Let's go. The spirit is headed somewhere. He's headed to the kingdom of God. And he's moving at a certain pace. And we're told to keep up, to keep in step. He is inside you, Christian, wanting you to make certain choices and to resist certain temptations to step here and then there and not to step over there. Verse 26 then explains what it means to be a pokey little Christian. It means that you're conceited. Don't be that. Keep in step with the spirit who doesn't want you to be conceited. That is to have an exaggerated view of you. It is to be falsely proud. And I love that description because it's so very accurate. Praise or pride by definition is false. Beloved, sadly, we need so many reminders of all the reasons we have to praise God. But let me also remind us, we have no reason to praise ourselves. Pride is false, and to live with conceit is to be out of step with the spirit and in great danger. Sometimes I'll say to my kids, look, sweetheart, I'm trying to protect you. Would you please keep up with me? I can't protect you. If you're behind me, stop lollygagging. And selfish people, Paul says, are spiritual lollygaggers. Here are two specific ways. Verse 26, pokey little Christians provoke not just people, but one another. Oh, listen to me. Pokey little Christians who are conceited influence other believers in the direction of evil. One of the things I'm saying to my children regularly Whenever they do what is natural for them and me to do, what I do too regularly, I want them to believe and I want you to believe that the most deadly thing for the people in your life is their sin. And so we love one another and the people in our family so that even when they're disappointing us, even when they're hurting us, we will not provoke them to sin. We will not do things that would encourage them to doubt God or to disobey God because that's the most dangerous thing in all the world. Finally, pokey little Christians don't just provoke one another. They envy one another. They have an ill will, uh, toward another Christian because of some perceived advantage that they have that, 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 that you don't have. Because of the relationships that they have. Because of the family life that they have. There's an envy there. Because of the work perhaps that they have. Perhaps, because of the, the gifting that they have. Or the standing that they have in the church. There's an envy of their, of their finances. And he's saying keep up now. Don't, don't be worried about that. Don't have ill will toward your brothers and sisters. The Spirit is leading us to treat others based on how Christ has treated us. Don't treat anyone based on how they make you feel. So, beloved, walk by the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Keep up with the Spirit. Because if you want to thrive as a Christian, that is far more about who you follow than about how you fight. Follow the Spirit or you'll fall to the flesh. What will you do? Oh God, we pray that you would take this word and cause us to believe it. And cause it to bear much fruit by the power of the spirit. That we would be the people of Christ. Who love one another. Who don't trust ourselves. And who are made to look like Christ in every way. We thank you that you do this work in us. In Jesus name, amen.